You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Welcome back to the Leading Women in Tech podcast. I hope your week is going splendidly wherever you are in the world. I'm delighted to be joined by another guest today, the fabulous Olivia Carter, a coach for leaders and a mentor. Olivia used to work in the corporate sector as a senior national account manager, but she left her career. Why? Well, she attributes it to burnout, feeling unfulfilled and basically frustrated with the management culture. Oh, and she's also recognized she was a bit of a perfectionist, which if you're familiar with that round here, you know I am too. (laughs) She wished she'd had a coach at the time and reckons that if she had had a coach at the time, she might have stayed in her job. So now she works with female leaders, bringing a great joy, seeing them transform, step into their own leadership style and having the confidence to lead greatly. I simply love that statement. Her mission in life is to shift from a management to leadership culture and empower women to become the leader they never had, creating a more balanced boardroom and in turn inspiring female leaders of the future. Just telling you all that has given me chills because as you all know, if you've been listening for a while, that is almost exactly on point with my mission. I focus on the tech industry, but wow, this woman is going to blow your socks off today. So welcome, Olivia. Thank you, Tony. I'm really grateful and really looking forward to our conversation today. Well, let's just get started and dive straight into what you do, why you do it. Can you share a little bit about how you became a leadership coach beyond what I just told everybody? Absolutely. So I remember vividly reading a book one day called Tuesdays with Maury and really knew that my mission was to create an impact on the world. I then trained in the counselling um, sector and decided that wasn't really the um, profession that I wanted to go into and then rapidly moved into coaching and knew that was the area that I wanted to um, create the impact for other people in the world. Um, I did all my coaching qualifications and then moved into leadership coaching because that's exactly, as you've already described, my absolute purpose, mission, why. And I absolutely love it and just feel so honoured and grateful to be working with amazing clients to empower them to be the leader that they want to be. And why are you so passionate about working with women? I'm so passionate about working with women because certainly in the corporate environment, I see quite a few challenges, particularly around mindset, that um, can hold women back from really pushing through that ceiling of leadership. And I absolutely passionately believe that boardroom will be a greater environment when it is more balanced and when it's got more women on the board. Um, So that's why I'm absolutely passionate about supporting women just to push through that ceiling of leadership to move into the boardroom. Yeah, Uh, it's something that's very dear to my heart as well, because I truly believe that when we get more women the boardroom and even just the levels below that I think we change the way businesses operate 
the way businesses treat their staff, the way they innovate. I mean, there's a whole thing of like team IQ goes up when you've got diversity in the room. But what is it specifically about the boardroom for you that's your focus? Like why why is that your focus rather than some other part of the pipeline? Because it's a very complex pipeline, as we both know. Yes. I think because the boardroom is is really the pinnacle, isn't it? It's the, well, for some people, it's, it's, it's the culture of the business. So, um, and I'm a big believer, if, if the boardroom has got the right culture, then that will filter through to the rest of the business. So if you start at the top down, that's why I'm so passionate about getting the boardroom balanced because that will create then a filter throughout the rest of the business. And I think as well, you know, if we think about the generation of future leaders as well, um, to, uh, to inspire and to motivate the next generation of future leaders as well. I think if there are more women on the boardroom, that's going to inspire the next generation of female leaders. Mm, okay. So, well, let's dig into the topic I'm super excited to discuss today because we're going to be talking about personality profiling and in particular, mm-hmm. the one that, that you are um, qualified and accredited to provide, which is DISC. Um, yes. Listeners, if they've been here a while, know that I'm a big advocate of personality um, profiling, but within its limitations, which is not perfect and all that. Like, go and listen to my episode where I talk about personality as a leader. I will put the link in the show notes because there is a lot of risks when we box people. I do want everybody to be aware of that. But I'd love you to like tell us a little bit about DISC, give us an overview of it, and why you're so passionate that about it that you decided to actually get accredited. Yeah. And, and you're quite right. There are so many different personality profiling tools. And um, the reason why I'm passionate about this is because it's simple. And I believe when it's simple and people really understand it, then they can apply it and use it. And it is simple to understand. It's simple to understand our own personality profile. But more importantly, to start to recognize other people's personality profile. So, and that's where true really effective leadership comes into play when we can start to understand other people as well and that's why I love this because of the simplicity of it uh-huh. well tell us like what is desk like what does it okay. stand for and all the things yeah. brilliant so this stands for um well it's d-i-s and c so if you imagine a circle and you split it into four quarters and if you put the D in the top left-hand quarter, I in the right top right-hand corner, S in the bottom right-hand corner, and C in the bottom left-hand corner. It's a really simple visual diagram. And then at the top, you would put more extrovert, and at the bottom, you would put more introverted. So, or you could put outgoing and reserved. So, extrovert at the top, introvert at the bottom. And then on the right-hand side, you would put people. So more that's more people-focused. And on the left-hand side would be more task-focused. Mm-hmm. So again, just what you were saying earlier, that it's not about boxing anybody in. This is just really to get a really top overview of what DISC is. So then if we look at the individual, um, the D, I, S, and C, and take each one individually, so if we look at the D style characteristics, so they would be more dominant, driven, demanding, 
quite decisive and competitive, um, very results driven and very, very fast paced would be the D style characteristic. And then if we move on to the I style characteristic, which is more extrovert and people focused. Mm-hmm. So these characteristics would be more inspirational, quite impulsive, quite influential people, very interested in people, quite talkative, very sociable, enthusiastic, quite charming, can often be easily distracted, the I style personalities, and quite playful. So, you know, they're often very creative, real visionaries, you know, the I style personalities. And, you know, thinking about the two, um, I often use the metaphor of jumping in a lift. So you would just jump in a lift with um, two different people. With, and these are the high characteristics that I'm demonstrating of a D-style person. They will probably be pressing the button on the lift, going to the 15th floor, just going, when am I going to get there? Keep, they're keeping to <laughs> press the button. They want to get there as quick as possible. The I-style characteristic will probably be engaging in this conversation with you all about the weather and what you did at the weekend and they'd be very very chatty whereas the d style personality just wants to get there asap because they want to get to their desk and get their work done <laughs> well it's funny i think you just described my husband he's the one who pushes <laughs> the button in the, in the elevator he just keeps going <laughs> not a good thing um Although he has other attributes or traits, which um, you definitely covered there. Well, tell us about the remaining two then. Yes, brilliant. So if we move down to the to the bottom two sections of the circle. So on the right hand side, we've then got the S style, which is very much more people focused, but also a little bit more um, introverted. So the S style personality likes to work at a slower pace. They're very, very supportive, the S style personality. So would often be seen as great team players. They're quite, they're patient. They, they don't often like rapid change. So they're quite steady and quite emotionally, um, can also be quite emotionally sensitive, the S-style characters. Very loyal. They like a stable environment. So they've got these great people skills, a little bit more introverted, but just a little bit slower. Um, and it, they will often take time to reflect on things. Mm. And then if we move on to the C-style personality, they are um, task-driven and more introverted. So the C-style personality are more cautious, quite careful, quite compliant, um, conscientious. When I say calculating, that they, they like the detail behind things. They like things very accurate. Can often be, you know, seen as perfectionists. They're very thoughtful and very logical and quite analytical. So without putting professions into um, a box, because any profession can be any personality, accountants would often sit more in the C-style personality. That's not to say somebody can't be an accountant as an I-style personality, they would just go about it in a different way. Oh, and love that you said that actually, because one of the things I see as a danger zone with a lot of these personality things is when people are like, well, typically this is the way that this group of people will behave. And they're like, well, if you're, they extrapolate to, if you're, if you're this kind of thing, then that's how you should be. And you said, for example, that S's are often seen as great team players. Mm -hmm. And the danger there would be that they're not seen as managers. Like, 
actually from like discussing all of this, I think I, I can see attributes of myself in all of this. Um, and great team player was often the thing that I was called at various points in my life. But, you know, I got all the way to the C-suite and I now run my own business. Like, is that a team player kind of thing? It, I mean, what is your insight on that? Like when people are like, oh, I'm this and therefore I should be over here. Or indeed, when somebody puts that onto someone else and says, well, you're this type and therefore you should be X, Y, Z. Like, how do you tackle that one? Okay. So again, it's not about labeling. It's all about insight and awareness. So, and, and it's remembering when you, when you do the personality profile in depth, we can all be blends of different things. So somebody could be a high D or a high DI. So, you know, with blends of mixes of it. So again, to use another metaphor, is if you take a cup of coffee, some people like their coffee with half a sugar and a little bit of milk. Some people like their coffee as a latte. Some people like it as a cappuccino. So we can be blends of the different amounts of ingredients within that coffee. Mm. And again, it's about the blend of the personality profile. So in terms of thinking about, you know, when you mentioned about putting people into a box or saying I'm a high D, it's about really recognising the strengths of our personality profile, maximising that, but then also recognising areas of development as well. Mm -hmm. And and recognising you know, we ha- we have access to, we have a higher access normally to two different profiles. So if somebody was saying SI style personality, they've got the I style personality very accessible. So they might just want to develop and grow and nudge up and dial up their I style personality. So it's about using the tool, not as this is who I am. It's about using it as um, an area to step up into and grow. And that's particularly, you know, as leaders as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, so you said something interesting there, which is like we have access to like all of them actually, but also we have some that are easier than others. And one of the things I really like when you were describing that circle at the beginning is, you know, essentially it's axes up and down, like introvert, extrovert or reserved and outgoing and task oriented or people oriented. And so if you actually kind of like were plotting yourself on those axes, it just shows it's like, it's not discrete, it's a continuous spectrum. And I kind of, I like that, like we've put then a label around it, but it's like, it's a gray, like smudgy label. (laughs) Yes. Um, I think that's that's really worth like highlighting with all of these things. I can certainly see like, if you'd done a profile of this on me like 10 years ago, I think I'd have been very firmly on one quadrant. And I think now I'm probably a blend actually, which brings me to something I love to do with my clients, which is like when we've uncovered who they are, like naturally we try and move them more towards a good mixture of all the desirable characteristics because you can learn them, right? Even yes, even if that's like not your natural trait, a great leader fills out what I call the shadow side of our personality, the bits that aren't so obviously comfortable for us. Tell me a little bit about how you do that with DISC. How do you work with your clients and like, filling out that shadow side yeah absolutely um so in order to fill out the shadow side I think particularly as leaders and I'll use a client example without you know going down you know and she she was very much of a d 
C personality style. So very task focused and not so much people focused. And um, so in that instance, in order to fill out the shadows, it was definitely about stepping into the more people focused side of things when she's leading her team. So more stepping into that empathy, that connection, that understanding of the team rather than just driving the team with do this, do this, you know, emails and very, you know, very much the analytics behind everything. It was more for her stepping into the people side of things. So it's it's exactly like you said, it's it's about really, you know, I love the quote of Stephen Covey, which is seek first to understand and then be understood. So once we really understand our own style, we can then think, okay, well, this is my personality profiling, but how can I really step into those shadows, those growth areas, those areas that I know are accessible, but maybe I just need to dial those areas up a little bit in order to enhance my leadership. Mm, absolutely. Um, well, so tell me, how would somebody who's very task oriented develop their people sign? Have you got any like in, like little tips and tips you can share? Yeah, it's just so many simple little things. Um, so obviously, we quite often communicate via email. And just on that, you can often recognize somebody's profile via an email. So, if, you know, if you take the D style personality, you know, they might often send very short, quick emails, very, you know, bullet points. There's no, hi, how are you? How was your weekend? That's more the I and the S style personality. And um, so first of all, when we recognize our, our our personality profile, we can, and then when we recognize others, we can then start to match and mirror their their profile. Because obviously, leadership is all about effective communication and connecting with people. And and if we can connect with a member of our team by dialing up some of our other personalities, so the more people side of things, that's a really really key tool to to use to match and mirror other people's profiles. So, for instance, if you are a high DC, you might want to maybe think about picking up the phone a little bit more. It's likely those personality profiles may hide behind their emails because the D just wants everything to be done quickly. <laughs> and the C, the C is a little bit more introverted. So, you know, they may just want to pick up the phone and actually have a conversation with certainly the I and the S personality profiles because that's how they're going to respond. That's how you're going to really motivate and 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 drive and inspire those people not often by an email oh I love that you said that because actually my follow-up question was going to be like well so how do we use this if you've identified the profile of your team like how do you use that to become a better leader and I sort of those insights of like understand who they are and then communicate in that way and something else a lot of the women I work with have that people side that's actually one of the reasons they've done so well in their careers because in tech that is quite often a little bit lacking but then they struggle with the people who are task oriented because they're like, I don't know how to communicate with them. So, and it links actually to another personality tool I've used, which is the strengths assessment, which has the red, green, blue hub. And the blue yes. is like what you were saying about, you know, that they, they'll ask you how you were. That's the kind of emails I would send, like, how are you doing? Sun shining. <laughs> I always seem to give a weather update on these podcasts, yes. for example. <laughs> But um, my husband, he's actually very much a hub person now. He was what you would describe the D, I would call a red in the strength assessment. Um, and he's like, he was very much like just focused on like get stuff 
done. I'm clicking my fingers to my microphone. There. <laughs> yes. Um, and it actually, like, it took us working together as a couple for us both to understand that neither was wrong. Yes. And so I'd love you to talk a little bit about that. How do you move from the people oriented over to that task oriented? Because I think that's something many of us struggle with. Absolutely. And again, I'll give another example of a client that I've worked with who was um, a senior HR manager. So obviously, and she was very IS, very people focused, um, as you would, you know, imagine being a HR manager. And she wanted to get policies put through the business and, and through the board of directors. And every time she would come up against challenges, particularly with the finance director, who was more CD. Mm. So he's C because he's um, very much, um, you know, cautious, careful, correct, conscientious, but he's got that D style there as well because he's, he's, he's a director, you know, he's quite dominant and driven. And so, Interestingly, she tried to get policies and changes put through the business, but would always get resistance with the finance director, and to the point where it demotivated her, and yeah. she, she just lost, you know, what was the point in carrying on, not really in a job, but just keeping trying to push these policies through. And actually, by her recognising his profile, which we could do together, she managed to match and mirror. She she realised that he needs the facts and figures. Mm. the quick answers and so by her shifting the way she communicated with him you know to match in the middle then she managed to get these policies put through the business that she'd been trying to get put through for years so once we can really identify and recognize with other people we could think oh how how can I communicate with that person to get the biggest impact what are they looking for and we can shift the way that we communicate with that person I love that you said that because I know I'm sure you're the same with your coaching clients. A lot of the women who come and work with me, one of the things they're struggling with is they seem to spend so much time justifying their own existence. And actually it's contributing to burnt outness and actually amplifies imposter syndrome and perfectionism. I'm going to be asking about perfectionism in a minute. Oh, yes. Um, (laughs) But it really like, it just, it makes the whole thing worse. It's, It's that whole thing of a large part of like justifying all your ideas and the you know trying to backfill yourself or saying I want this budget or anything like that and as we get higher up in our careers the more we have to do that and some people just seem to be able to get their own way and I think a lot of time we don't realize that it's it is how you're presenting the stuff in terms of like the idea and the outcome but it's also in terms of like what does that person need to hear to get behind me absolutely we have to fix both those things I love that you brought that up but yes, perfectionism. You said oh, yes. that with the, <laughs> I think it was the S's. I did write this. No, it's C's. I should write this yes, down. Yes, the C's. Yes. The C's are often seen as perfectionists. I bring this one up because so many of the women I work with are perfectionists. Imposter yes. syndrome is something sky high in my yes. client base. I've actually had a number of women who've come to work with me explicitly because of the way I talk about imposter syndrome, as we both know. Perfectionism is one of the key traits of imposter syndrome, although they're not the only one. So I'd love you to talk about that a little bit, how it shows up in the seas, does it show up anywhere else, and, and what we can do about that. It's a big question, because because I think imposter syndrome and perfectionism and the personality profiling. So, you know, if we think about how we, we generally have access to all of these personality profiles. So 
people who have got you know imposter syndrome or you know who their their C style may be very very accessible it may be quite high so therefore to counteract that sort of self-belief that feeling like an imposter they may dip into that comfort zone of the natural perfectionism of that C style personality so it's a little bit of a tricky one to to dip into without knowing whether it's imposter syndrome and they've got a high C personality. But if C is is there within the high traits of their personality, it's likely that when imposter syndrome shows up, their natural comfort zone is to grab that perfectionism because it sort of creates that safety net, that the fear of the imposter syndrome. So so the, and the C style because you know, it goes hand in hand because when they're correct and the, the careful and the consistency and the compliant in that C style, that, that creates that perfectionism bubble, doesn't it? And that belief mm-hmm. that if I do all these things correctly, I'm perceived as perfect and therefore that will keep me safe within my imposter yeah. syndrome i do actually i've just had this brain wave which like i don't know if anybody's ever looked into this but i'm wondering if um the different types of imposter symptoms i don't know if you know about this but you know you've got the superwoman the people that need to do everything themselves the natural genius where they have to learn everything before they can put themselves out there the perfectionist who has to um always be perfect before they put themselves out there and there's a couple of others i do actually wonder if like they're all those imposter symptoms are all tied up to do with this personality. Like maybe DISC is the one to really explain it and why you are likely to be more prevalent in one type of imposterism than another. Although I think all of us at some point experience all of the different imposter feelings. And like, I certainly hope I can check them all off whenever I do an assessment of myself. I'm like, oh yes, they're all still there. Yes. I'm like, yeah. yeah, I wonder if that's like what's going on here. Just an idea. <laughs> yeah. So, so in that instance, I would be talking to a to a client about. So, if you take the opposite of the C style, which is more of the I style, so they're a lot more impulsive. They'll use their influencing skills. They'll just go with the flow and chat chat the way through things often. And you know, they might just want to just think about dialing into that I style characteristic a little bit more because it's probably accessible on the graph because that is profiling will graph everybody so it's it's likely to be accessible and just think in that instance you know what about looking at dialing down that c a little bit and dialing up your i yeah style personality i love that well so let's go a little bit broader just beyond just the disc stuff um obviously you and i both work predominantly with women it's our passion point we know that the world would be a better place with more, more, more women in leadership roles struggle to say that sometimes <laughs> I don't know why um I'd love you to share with us like so, do you see some common specific skills or behaviors or mindset challenges that women need to either integrate or overcome that you see consistently because we do live in a male-dominated society still yeah I think um consistently is you know you've already mentioned it imposter syndrome and it, in how it shows up in what intensity and when it shows up, I think. So I think certainly from a mindset perspective, it's about having that confidence and that courage mm. to, 
you know, I use the metaphor of, of staying in your lane and, and it's the comparisonitis sometimes, isn't it, in leadership and yeah. thinking I need to be like that person to the right and that person to the left in order to be successful. And I believe it's about looking right and left at, at the good qualities of the person to the right and the left and then really jumping in your lane and empowering and having that self-belief in you as a leader building on your strengths and developing the areas of growth I really do think are are some of the challenges because I think sometimes our mind wants to tell us all the negative things tell us all the things that we're not good at and it's about really owning our own leadership style and that starts with really understanding it to really empower and enhance it oh I love that you said that owning our own leadership style but also to like understand and then empower and enhance because that's our starting point um and I think one of two things quite often happens either we feel like our we either don't have our relationship style or like it's invalid in some way because of comparisonitis or we've stepped into our authenticity which I love it when we do that but then we stop there and actually authenticness is about figuring out who you are and then being really excited to grow and challenge to grow so I just I love that you said that like oh just lit me up (laughs) yeah no and you know I'm really passionate as well about um you know when we look at the more introverted styles of leadership how do I say this you know from the external environment it can sometimes be perceived that it's the extroverts that are the leaders because they're the ones that shout the loudest so they're the ones that get the promotions they're the ones that become these amazing leaders because they walk into a room and they own the room and they can physically lead that team Mm -hmm. I'm hugely passionate that introverts are incredible leaders as well yes you know when you take that S style that team that people person they are amazing leaders as well so once you know, the S style, let's take the S style, let's say say they've got a high S style personality. They could be sat there thinking, gosh, I can't be a leader because I'm not this extroverted person that walks into a room and dominates it. Once that S style personality really knows their strengths, they can maximize their leadership style. And I really do think that that's where I come about this of owning our own leadership style, really knowing it and owning it, maximizing those strengths and developing the areas that we know we can develop in as well I love that you said that too because yeah that whole introvert in us it does hold some of us back um yeah and I would say many of my clients are introverts um actually I think there's a majority of CEOs who are introverts and I certainly I'm an introvert um I talk about that a lot on this podcast shouldn't be a shock to any of you and as you probably all know, I am also an award-winning leader. It took me the longest time to own that, <laughs> but I am, right? So I, if you are listening to this and thinking, oh gosh, yes, that's me, I want you to know that there is another option out there for you. Introverts really can change the world. And when we do, we rock it. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's also about embracing. So I actually describe myself as um, an introvert extrovert. So that mm. makes myself as a contradiction. But I'm an SI style. So my introvert is my S style. And that's how I need to recover. So by the end of the day, I don't really want to talk to anybody. (laughs) You know, and if if I've been in meetings a lot, you know, I need recovery time on my own. But, you know, if I need to go and present in front of 500 people, that's when my extrovert I style comes in. So 
we can be an introvert, but again, it's not about always labeling it. We can sometimes have access to both of them. Once we really understand it, we can understand, okay, I need to just rewind back now, tap into my introvert to top up my energy, you know, and that's where we can enhance and embrace being a contradiction of an introvert extrovert as well. Yes. And I think that is spot on um, because again, like just because you are naturally an introvert doesn't mean you can't train yourself to be an extrovert. Like, I mean, that's certainly one would claim that's what I've done. Like I'm very comfortable standing on stage and front of 5,000 people. I have done that. If you'd asked me to do that a decade ago, I'd have been terrified. Yes. <laughs> and so I think it, it, these days I'm like, yeah, whatever. And I wouldn't, a decade ago, a podcast would have terrified me. <laughs> and so I think we can train ourselves. I think that's something I want everybody to really hear is just because you have your natural inclinations and they feel so strong and sometimes even a little bit debilitating, like that fear of standing on stage is a classic, right? Yeah. That doesn't mean that that is how you're going to be for the rest of your life. As long as you can step, you're aware of who you are and you can step forward out of your comfort zone. One day your comfort zone may well be standing in front of 5,000 people and owning the room. Exactly. Exactly. And it's interesting you mentioned about fears as well, because on the subject of this, we can also start to identify the key fears of those profiles as well. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So if we look at the fears of a D-style characteristic, so again, here we're just talking about high D-styles and we can all be blends of everything. But if it was a high D-style characteristic, their biggest fear is about being taken advantage of and also failure and loss of control. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm I'm writing notes here. (laughs) So when we can start to recognise that maybe in ourselves, or also in others, we can also then start thinking about how we can communicate and create impact with those people. Yeah. Well, so, tell us about the fears for the other three, because yeah. like, this is like, I'm seriously, I'm taking notes here. I hope everybody <laughs> listening is taking notes here. <laughs> so the fears for the I style, so remembering they're the people outgoing personality profile, their fear is popularity rejection. Ooh. So if they were in a meeting and they were trying to put their view or their project across and they didn't feel, they felt they were losing popularity as a result of maybe creating conflict in, you know, an idea they were proposing, they may start backing down and they may start flexing and adapting because they don't want to lose the popularity of the, the team and the group and the dynamics. So they really are influenced about keeping everybody happy and everybody jovial and, and that's their biggest fear. So we can then start recognizing that maybe in ourselves is being our greatest fear, but also in others as well. The biggest fears of the S style is about loss of security. And the S style don't really like change too much and also confrontation. So interestingly when I'm working with a client at the moment who's the client I refer to at the moment who's the DC style. And she had a member of her team, because of COVID, the business had had to pivot and make lots of changes. And she recognized one of her team members were an S style. So she'd actually gone off long on six, three months. 
because mm. probably all the changes in the fast and she the styles is she probably put the changes through quite quickly and maybe yeah. without people side of skills and ironically the member of the team had gone off sick so that the s styles fear is about change and loss of security and confrontation because they want the team all together yeah yeah um and the fear of the C style is about criticism without validation. So if you ever want to challenge a C style person or get, you know, with the HR example, get something, a policy or, or proposing an idea, they want facts and figures and details behind everything. So they've never go into a, a, a confrontation or a, or a challenge or with a C-style personality unless you've got all your facts and figures because they're going to unpick everything. Mm. So and equally, if we want to challenge a C-style person, make sure we've got the, the information to back it up or else they can get really quite yeah. challenging. That. <laughs> That's really, really powerful, actually, because I see a lot of people struggling with that. Like, I don't understand why they're not listening to me. And a lot yes. of the time it is, it is exactly that. It's figuring out, like, where are they sitting at? Why are they pushing back so hard? Why are they scared? Why are they upset? Like, get into their shoes and you're going to have exactly. a much easier time getting them on your page. It's not It's not that it's like somehow bad. And I think that's the other thing people think here. Like, it, you're learning how to influence people and that has a negative connotation to it. What you're doing is helping them see more quickly where you're actually at. Yes. And that isn't a bad thing that we should shy away from. It is better communication. Exactly. And, I I just love it. Okay, so well, we are coming towards the end of this week's episode. And as everybody knows, at the end of every episode, I love to give my listeners a simple mindset tip to help them adjust how they act or think on the topic of today's podcast. So Olivia, I'd love for you to share your leadership mindset moment with the listeners so they can take action on their personality and their leadership that goes alongside with that. I think my top tip would be to start to notice so within your team or your colleagues or your your environment that you're working in just start to notice other people's personality profile but bearing in mind the things we've discussed today because once we can start to notice that's how we can then start to tap in and change and shift the way we do things so you know if you're on a zoom call or you know when when we move back into the real world and we're in that environment start to get into that lift and play the guessing game what this personality profile do I think they are once we raise our awareness then we can start thinking and shifting and changing the way we can start communicating with those people I think that would be my top tip today perfect thank you how can people find out more about you and connect with you oh fantastic Uh, well I've got um, a fantastic free Facebook group called the Female Lead Club, which is the main community that I hang out in. Um, I have lots of value and it's full of really inspirational group in there. And then also on LinkedIn, um, Olivia Carter Coaching on LinkedIn. The other ways um, that you can get in touch is I also do a personality profiling deep dive session. So where you would receive your report and we would have a one-to-one session for 90 minutes and take a deep dive into understanding your profile and also other people's. And I also work with leaders on a one-to-one and and also have leadership group programs as well. 
Awesome. Well, we will make sure that all the links to all of those things you've just mentioned are in the show notes in your favorite podcast player or over at tonycollis.com forward slash episode 45. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners today, Olivia? I think the final thought is just always be yourself. I think authenticity shines through in everything in leadership. So empower your strengths, use your authenticity and um, always believe in yourself because women are incredible leaders and we're the leaders of the future. So. I love that so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. It has been great. I have to say I've learned a lot. This is not something I've been familiar with um, up until now. And I feel like I have learned a truckload. And I hope my listeners have too. And are opening their eyes to different ways of thinking about themselves and their teams. Thank you so much, Olivia. Thank you so much as well. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, I hope everybody's gained lots of value from our conversation today. Wasn't that amazing? Gosh, I just loved hearing Olivia talk about the disc and the different ways it shows up and the fears in particular and the way we can use that to really understand how the people around us work. I just, I got so much out of that. I hope you did too. Um, I can't wait to actually go and figure out more about this. I've been making notes throughout and I figure like there's something here between how imposterism shows up and our personalities and Oh, that's something I'm going to be diving into. Um, and of course, if you need some help with your imposter syndrome, do not forget that I have a free five-part mini training, um, Ditch the Self-Doubt, which is all about understanding imposter syndrome, whether it's for you or your team. And remember, at least 80% of us experience imposter syndrome at some point in our lives. The more high achieving you are, the more likely you are to experience it. So even if you're like, I don't have it right now, your team probably does. <laughs> so make sure that you go and check that out tonycollis.com forward slash dtsd for a ditch the self-doubt links will be in the show notes and of course if you love today's episode i would be incredibly grateful if you were able to leave a rating and review over on itunes and as olivia highlighted there remember be yourself be your authentic self which is one of the reasons i always finish every episode with this statement Remember, stay on your tech leadership game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness and authenticity that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Women in Tech podcast.